0: And welcome to the A Map To You Life Stories from the Living podcast. This is episode seven, all in a day's work. I'm your host, Laura Harling, Artistic Director and Founder of The Dot Collective. This week, we returned to Linkage Southwark to talk about occupations and careers. Less than five minutes in, we also discovered that it's Linkage Southwark's 30th year anniversary. So not only did we have a look at the many jobs people had carried out over the years, but also what we were all doing in 1993. So, right now, take a moment to think back. What were you doing in 1993? Some of the participants' answers you'll hear in today's episode scattered throughout the pieces. See if you can guess what was a 1993 moment and what was an occupation. I was joined at the workshops this week by Matthew Seeger and Vicky Gaskin. When I asked Vicky and Matthew what they were doing in 1993, Vicky said that she was eight years old and was probably hanging from a climbing frame and bossing other children about. And Matthew was only one and can't remember. And as for me, I was curing my fear of water by standing for two days under a shower doing a Johnson's Kids commercial. And the jingle to the advert went something like this. No more tears, no more tangles, just healthy looking hair. I'm a Johnson's kick, can't you see? Don't tangle with me. Anyway, we're approaching today's episode with a radio show feel and dropping in some shameless advertising for Linkage Southwark to celebrate their 30 years. So let's give you a little more info about what they actually do. Linkage Southwark is a small local charity working in the London borough of Southwark to reduce loneliness and isolation among older people and living with dementia. They recruit, train and manage volunteers to deliver their services, which are free to everyone aged over 60 and people with dementia and their carers who live in Southwark. Services include befriending, group activities such as the one that we attend, as well as singing clubs, exercise clubs. They also offer hospital buddies and much more. Check out everything that they do at linkagesouthwark.org. Now, let's have a listen to our first piece this week, inspired by Occupations – this week was very much more of a conversation, workshop and reminiscing about the many jobs that we've done. This first piece is written by Vicky Gaskin. It's called I Used to Be a Chef and it's performed by Thomas Judd.
1: I was a chef. Simpsons in the Strand. It's right near the hotel itself. It's a small little cafe place. It just runs onto to the Savoy itself. And the entrance is down an alleyway. Well... I'd cook loads of things there. You got roasts, you got pastries, got veg, fish, soups and that. I'd go round all the departments there. I don't know what it's like now.
0: That was I Used To Be A Chef, written by Vicky Gaskin and performed by Thomas Judd. I'm here with Vicky. Hi, Vicky. Hiya. How was it doing occupations this week with the group? This is the first of our occupation-based,
2: inspired pieces of the week. What was the workshop like? It was really lovely. It was quite a conversational workshop. It was just really fun hearing all the different things that people have done i think what you forget about a peer group like this with the dementia being the thing that links them is that people's jobs were so varied people's life experiences are so varied and so it started off quite formal didn't it and it sort of it sort of just became a bit of a round table of everyone telling a story from their job or taking us through their cv and it was really lovely yeah
0: and so what was the inspiration behind this piece?
2: This is a man that we've worked quite a lot with, haven't we? He's been part of other pieces as sort of a bit of an interjector. And I thought this week it would be really lovely to give him his own piece. But he is a man of few words. And so I feel like the style really in in his character and in his spirit. So I really hope that you enjoyed it.
0: And with the jobs, with the occupations this week, did everyone give just one? example or were there multiple i mean you and i we're now podcasters we're producers <laughs> many different jobs actors, different hats, we're aerialists yeah. were there did the participants also share other jobs or was it just one key one for each each person what was it like when they shared their stories of their occupations
2: it was really varied i think some of them had so many jobs and uh, sort of talk a bit more in detail because it's a bit more to do with the other piece that I've written this week but yeah some of them had loads of different jobs and then there were other ones who were like nope just one one of the participants was like well I wasn't allowed to have another job when I was studying and then I went into that job Albeit that she's done that job in two countries, which was really cool. But it was yeah, like really varied. People who really stuck at a job and were still really passionate about it. And one of the participants had written a book, and the book was there, and there were photos of other people and what they'd done. So yeah, very multi sensory and just it's just really I, it's really fun knowing what people have done because mm-hmm. you know sometimes particularly. You and I, we work in this very specific industry and everyone does very similar jobs. It's really nice to just hear a real range of sort of creative jobs, intellectual jobs, service jobs, everything.
0: I also found it really interesting that they would tell us these jobs that they had done and then through conversation would suddenly remember that they also did this. And actually mm. that was a really funny moment and they'd have new favourite jobs as the conversation went on.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would sort of layer, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, and I did this, oh, and I did this, oh, yeah. and I did that. What's your favourite job? other than working on this podcast, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I love I love working in this industry. My worst job was also my best job. So I used to work in the Complaints Call Centre for TfL Surface Transport, which meant that I answered phones <laughs> and, <laughs> and answered complaints about London buses and taxis. And they called it streets, so the roads. And it was it was just so soul-destroying because your whole day was just people complaining at you. But I met my husband working there. So Aww. it was both my worst and my best job for very, very different reasons. And you know, there, there are some brilliant stories about some complaints that were made against TFL. There was a man who used to call every single day and he would always have a complaint. Never a dull day in the TFL call centre.
0: <laughs> Never a dull day indeed. I think we've all probably had those jobs where We have the complaints and we have to deal with the complaints. I remember them vividly. Right, well, our next piece is not based working in TfL. This is written by myself. It's called A Furry Affair and it's performed by Robert Hickson.
3: Good evening, afternoon, morning or whatever time of day it is for you. Time is a construct. It's wonderful to be at the Linkage Southwark 30th Anniversary Charity Auction Fair today. When you first asked me, I was delighted to model my extensive collection of fur for you. It's great to see such a large number of fur enthusiasts, with the exception of you, obviously. But we wouldn't raise much with faux, so think of the charity. As I was saying, it's fabulous to see such a number of enthusiasts and fashionistas here today. Hello, lady leopard-skin jumper. French, yes? Oui, oui. Après. (laughs) Later today, you'll be able to wear your items in the big top. Take part in the bottle tombola, pin the tail on the donkey, ferret racing and welly wanging. There's also plenty of ice cream, blueberries, jaffa cakes and cheese straws in the refreshment tent. I really hope that today, in this one day, we'll be able to beat the total amount of funds raised in the last 30 years. Otherwise, what's a 30-year party for? And I know some of you can afford it. Yes, looking at you, Lady Melissa Cranbourne. I'm also thrilled to inform you that we've a record number of entries in Dog with the Waggiest Tail competition. Let's hope they keep their fur by the end of the day. (laughs) Joking, of course. Let's get started. The first item today is Little Minky here, modelled by me. Music, please. Now, don't pay attention to the fit. I'm tall and handsome. But for your average man, this is just perfect. Yes, you too could strut the streets in this vintage silver axle-shoulder mid-20th century item. The ultimate luxury investment. A prized possession and a powerful seal of glamour. This garment can be worn by all. Mink has been popular in fashion since the beginning of couture, enjoyed amongst the royals, nobility, the ruling elite, and, of course, the classic Hollywood style that is infectiously voguish. All dream of owning this and flaunting it, including myself, one of the highest-selling fur coats in fashion, a classic piece to give your wardrobe a bold dose of vintage charm. Now... If that's not for you, here's another choice. A change, music, please. Hold on to your jaw as I take the floor in this 1940s fur-lined shearling. Very New York City. Very masculine. Very Brando. Marlon Brando. Is he not your type? Oh, music change, please. Check out. The aviator jacket. Mirror a Royal Air Force pilot in this piece. A ruler of the fashion radar with its edgy appeal. Softer appeal, you say. Music, please. Snuggle up to your love. Or me in this teddy bear coat. Undeniably comfortable and functional. Oh, I see. It's exotic you want. Music, please. Lynx is our most exotic, dramatic and seductive fur. If you need an article of clothing that can give you an edge and help you advertise the exciting part of yourself, then a Lynx fur coat is for you. Now, here's your moment to decide which version of me you'd like to take home. Have a stroke, have a feel, get your bids in. I know, I know, you want it all. I'll do my best to bowl you over and take you to the Skittle Alley later. Starting bids for item number one at a bargain price of £148,289.23. pence. Do you need more wine? That
0: was A Furry Affair, written by myself and performed by Robert Hickson. As I wrote it, I've got Robert Hickson here to interview me about the piece. Robert, what's your first question
3: Well, for me? I've recorded the piece, but of course I need some enlightenment. Was this person one of the people that you've met, or is this a construct from bits and pieces you've heard from many people?
0: It's sort of based on one person's occupation. So one of the participants, I was told, was an art valuer. But Uh when he was a foreman at the auction house, he had to model fur coats. And the fur coats apparently were made for short, portly men. And this participant is not short, nor portly. <laughs> and so that when he was modelling them, they were quite tiny on him. And, and so it sort of it inspired then a character in my head. I took a creative licence to it. Yes. It was also based on the fact that it's Linkage Southwark's 30th anniversary. They're having a... a oh, f-
3: so that was a genuine event.
0: They are having an event. It hasn't happened yet. And we were talking about 1993 and the medieval fate. So all of these things sort of came into play. And then I decided that I'd set it at this fictional, but also Linkage Southwark's party might be exactly this. I hope it is, um, because I'd like to go. With some welly-wanging. With some welly-wanging. with Also, some of the things in here, cheese straws, blueberries, jaffa cakes, I didn't mention grapes, but they are all things that are on the yeah. table in the workshops. So they are things that Linkage Southwark do provide. And then I also looked into fur coats. I did a bit of research. And I have I've... to
3: say that it was, it's a very interesting challenge to read this one <laughs> because the, I'll just tell the, the listeners that the, the very first stage direction is camp. Well, that, that's all right. You can You can do camp with your voice. Very tall, thin auction house foreman. How you act tall and thin in an audio podcast. I have no idea.
0: You can did, do that with Do you voice. think I
3: sounded tall and thin? No,
0: I, th- I think you took the character into your own quite well, actually. It was unexpected. I think that's a great thing about working with actors <laughs> is that they don't do what you'd expect or or what you'd had. And it's like creating a painting. You have the vision in your head. When you paint it, it's never going to be what the vision yeah. in your head is. And it's always something other. And that is the reason why you don't just do things on your own and you bring somebody else. They, yes, They of take course. your vision and create something else. So this is actually, I enjoyed the many takes you did. I especially enjoyed the Bruce Forza well, uh, version. You Said
3: a bit little the less, Peter Bruce Kay. Forsyth. It was the first time I'd ever received a note like that.
0: <laughs> uh, Peter K. We had earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, re- I really feel like you found it in the, <laughs> in the end. It wasn't what I had in my head, but it was. Um, it was. It was interesting, <laughs>
3: nonetheless. I've always thought of myself more <laughs> as a Marlon Brando figure than as a Peter K. figure.
0: Yeah, I will say that I brought back some of the characters from previous episodes.
3: Oh, I recognised a couple actually. Was it uh, Lady Melissa Cranbourne was in? Yeah, Lady um, Cr- two Melissa or three, Cranbourne
0: was it? invent came about in our hats episode. Yeah, that's right. And-, and Lady Melissa Cranbourne was the lady who had a for- had a fortune. So she- yeah. I thought she'd be great to be there.
3: Thank you ever so much.
0: Thank you, Robert, for interviewing me. I think it's time for a cheeky advert.
1: If you're stuck for what to do today, I've got just the thing for you. It won't take long, and you won't regret it. I promise that is true. A walk, a talk, watching some sports, or just a cup of tea to hear some stories of a life well-lived would suit me wonderfully. Share a laugh, make a friend, or offer some advice. A trip to the shops to get more biscuits sounds like it might be nice. All we ask is a bit of time, if it's a possibility. A great way to meet great people who could do with some company. If you'd like to give it a go, and this sounds up your street, send us a quick message and we'll find you someone to meet. It's a no-brainer, a win-win. We've got no other agenda. So search for Linkage Southwark to become a valued befriender.
0: Go to linkagesouthwark.org and become a valued befriender. Thank you, Matthew, for that wonderful advert. As we've got used to Matthew's voice, let's have a listen to his first piece this week. This piece is called To Porn and is performed by Matthew Seeger and myself. I brought one of his books to have a look at, if you like. This was his? Yes, this was one of his books. He was an art valuer.
1: Oh, wow, look at that. That's so cool. Was there a specific kind of art that he valued?
0: He was Head of Valuation for the Works of Art Department. He did a lot of sculpture. He was a real specialist in chess sets as well.
1: Chess sets?
0: Yes, very niche. He would value chess sets for people, but also lots of other things, anything that wasn't a painting, really.
1: That's so interesting. And what did you do?
0: Well, I was an archaeological conservator and worked in museums and things. Anything that's excavated from the ground, it was my job to preserve it. Anything from prehistoric pots, human remains, waterlogged wood, leather, anything. Of course, as soon as something is dug up, it starts to decay because it wants to reach equilibrium, so you get rusting and iron and so forth.
1: So in some ways, your jobs were similar. It's not the same industry, but there were some sort of crossovers.
0: Yes, some crossovers. I always complained, of course, because, you know, selling antiques wasn't as pure as preserving them. Mm.
1: (laughs) Did you ever have any heated discussions?
0: A few. That's how he got me my ring. I wear a ring, which I got him to buy me. I mean, we all know how romantic he is.
1: Yes, I have learned that.
0: He didn't get an engagement ring for me because I said, I don't want one until you can afford it. I wanted a particular emerald.
1: Did you ever get it?
0: No, but I did get something else. The Rose Theatre, when they excavated the rose, they found this gold ring. The Museum of London made gold replicas of them in the shop and it says, in medieval French, to pense à moi, which means, you think of me. So I wanted him to buy me that.
1: That is lovely.
0: Of course, his answer was always, oh, all right then.
1: <laughs> it's better than saying no.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So your job was to preserve things and his was to value them.
0: yes. And his problem was he'd always see people's antiques and say things like, oh, of course, that's rubbish, it's not worth much, and it turns out it'll be worth about £250 or something. Well, that's brilliant for some people, but his taste was thousands.
1: Expensive taste.
0: I suppose he must have had an eye for things of great value and beauty.
1: (laughs) Well, of course. And actually, to preserve means to look after, really, doesn't it? And to, to take care of.
0: Yes, it does.
1: To preserve and to value. It's not a bad way of thinking about things, really, is it?
0: No, not a bad way to think at all, I suppose. To pense à moi. That was To Ponce à Moi, written by Matthew Seeger and performed by Matthew and myself. So today was all about occupations and I'm here with Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Hello. How did your piece come about? How was that inspired out of occupations today?
1: Well, I think everyone was sort of asked to maybe bring something in if they could that was sort of representative of the jobs that they, they had done in their lives. And I've got to know this couple quite well and she brought in one of his books and he used to be an an art valuer and she was an archaeological conservator if I can say it right and I think it's interesting one because those they're quite unique jobs anyway Mm. but also they're sort of similar in some ways but actually that's not how they met it wasn't to do with their similarities but I I, sort of got me thinking about they didn't meet because their jobs were similar but the personality traits required were sort of compatible in some way and I found that really interesting and that tied into the idea of the ring that she got him to buy her because he couldn't afford an emerald and they got together so, I, so it's sort of all tied together to be quite interesting for me I think
0: And tell me a bit about Tupin's memoir em- why was that
1: important? It was a nice romantic gesture and I suppose with the work that we're doing the the idea of having that as a reminder of of him thinking of her and with its relation to the occupations as, as well sort of felt quite poignant and it was a funny story because of the way that she sort of said that he would just say oh, oh all right then it seems quite nonchalant but what came out of it was actually a really lovely thing which makes me think that i think he knew what he was doing all along great thank you very much thank you very much
0: what were you doing in 1993 not sure then why not join us and reminisce over a cup of tea Come celebrate our 30th birthday. We promise not to lead you astray. If a cake and a dance isn't enough, we'll definitely have some drinks. You're never too old to make new links with Link Age Southwark. Yes, never too old at all. I love this group so much. I know we're having a bit of a laugh here with the adverts, but in all seriousness, if you are based in Southwark or even if you want to travel to Southwark and be a befriender, do get in touch with them and just go and have a look at their website and look at all of the lovely things that they do. We have had such a fantastic time going in and talking to every participant in that group over the last few weeks. Right, our next piece is written by Vicky Gaskin. It's called Careers Advice and is performed
2: by Vicky It's fun when you look back on all our careers. I'd done a lot of things before teaching. Well, I started off when I was at school, you know, a Saturday job working in, uh, I think it was either British Home Stores or Littlewoods. And then during my school holidays, I worked for Lion's Corner House, and (laughs) I enjoyed that. There was one in the Strand I was at, and another one at Leicester Square, and another just over Blackfriars Bridge. Yes, they were scattered, you know. They were quite popular in those days. And then I worked for an accountancy firm in the city. And I used to disappear every week. I was quite young. And I never told them. And I had... Unfortunately, a boyfriend of mine was in the, one of the old Epsom mental hospitals. He had schizophrenia. So I used to disappear once a week. On a Monday, I never came back after lunch. And this went on for about a month or so. And then I was approached. They wanted to know where I was on a Monday afternoon. They said, it seems to have become a habit with you, you know, so um, I hadn't wanted to tell them, obviously. And then I did. And I didn't last for very much longer at that particular place, (laughs) you know. Yes. (laughs) And then I worked in a library for a while. I worked in the one in Walls Road and the one at St George's Circus. And then Southwark Social Services, um, and then after Social Services, I decided I want to go back into teaching, because I had gone to college when I was 18, and actually I had a breakdown, so that was, you know, caused a bit of a rift in my employment. But then that was something I really wanted to do, so I did go back into teaching later on, and I thoroughly enjoyed it then, so, yes... You know, when you look at all of our careers, we've all had, done various things, and it's true, you know. One job doesn't really... Well, it's unusual, unless you've got something like, you know, like you do, a fine art valuer, something like that. It's so engrossing, those sort of jobs, you know. I mean, really fulfilling. Whereas I think a lot of us just... We're trying out various things, aren't we? And then eventually... You arrive at a place in your life where you think, yeah, I really enjoy doing this.
0: That was Careers Advice, written and performed by Vicky Gaskin. I'm here with Vicky now. Vicky, we looked at occupations this week. What was the inspiration?
2: Who was the inspiration behind this piece? So yeah, I was sat next to a lady in the group and yeah, like you said, we were talking about occupations and there was just something so lovely about the way she spoke about the jobs that she'd had she really seemed to have sort of really enjoyed everything that she did she's had this sort of varied career and there's something really lovely about someone who is I I don't know what age she is maybe in her 80s she looks younger than that but someone who is a bit older sort of talking about doing jobs in modern day, like we do jobs. And it just was really nice for her to sort of be like, yeah, I just enjoyed doing this and I enjoyed doing that. And I, I went back to teaching and I really enjoyed that. And just talking about the idea that you're just sort of searching around for things that you enjoy doing and where you end up is sort of where you're meant to be. It really resonated with me. And then I went to write it and was trying to massively overcomplicate it and realised that actually what I needed to do was just say her words so I think I changed I I took out a name and put the job in instead but apart from that that's sort of exactly how she said it and I just thought it's just it was really inspirational yeah and mm. so I felt really like lucky to be able to take that particular story
0: it was really lovely to hear from an older perspective The fact that we do have to do numerous jobs, especially in our profession in the arts, Mm, where you know we've done anything and everything, and we still kind of are, and we sort of wear many hats in our older years because of the fact that we needed to do a lot of jobs to survive. So, you know, doing service work and, and teaching, whatever, we, I think we can re- really relate to that. But Absolutely. It's not, it's not very often you hear from an older generation about all of these different jobs mm, because it, we sort of seem to focus on the one that we think people want to hear. Exactly,
2: and it's really validating, I think. And what happened after she told this story as as a group, we were talking about how... You know the younger generation, like even younger than me and you, Laura, like are really used to having different jobs as sort of a bit more of a norm, and it felt very modern and it felt very current and like she had a lot of empathy for younger people, which was just really beautiful. Thanks,
0: Vicky. So moving on to our next piece. this is written by myself. It's called "It started with nineteen ninety three and is performed by me too. Look at the clothes, the glasses. The people. Remember those? Patterned trousers with um pineapple print, is it? Made by my mother for a summer holiday. This is outside our old house in the snow. I actually remember that year of snow. Building a snowman and sliding down a hill on a carrier bag. Playing the recorder I was part of a recorder club. We had a medieval pageant for the school making outfits for the children. I had a hamster. Ooh, trips to the Pyrenees, the worst holiday ever, I think. Boots developed the photos. Oh, the rain. Oh, blimey, the bloody rain. The worst it had been in 20 years, I think. Makes good for the waterfalls, though, I suppose. Have you ever been to Morocco? They have some wonderful waterfalls there. My goodness me. There's a whole collection of lovely things that we collect over time, isn't there? In these photographs and in our memories. There's a lot that's not in print, you know. I forgot about it because I haven't been looking at it. Seeing this, I remember. We collect so many things doing all these jobs. Preserving artefacts which become a part of ourselves. We're our own fine art valuers. And no, I'm not going to let anyone or anything steal my works of art. You can't even buy them. They're out of your price range anyway. I'm not something you can find in a car boot sale and get valued on TV. I'm me. And original. With secret, hidden value. I'm a rare emerald. And you'll have to wait for me or a rare Edvar Munk print that you would assume is a replica. But that's what I want you to think. The real me is standing grand in a gorgeous country house looking out at the view. I can see for miles and miles, but you don't know I'm here. You want to know if I'm genuine or not. Let me just put it this way. If there was a fire... You'd not want to let one bit of me burn. That was, it started with 1993, and this was inspired by a photograph from 1993 which triggered memories for all of us within the group, and those memories are how this piece starts. Then I wove into that idea other things that people were saying and the jobs that we went through, and one of the participants working as an art valuer and another participant working as somebody that restored artifacts and it led me to think about ourselves as priceless pieces of artwork and self-value the memories are embedded within us and the memories that we continuously create are giving us more value each every day and some of them are just for us they're not in photographs they're within us and nobody else can access them nobody can see those and so therefore we have our sort of hidden self-worth that is just for us um, and that's what kind of inspired this piece now our next piece may sound a little familiar it may be a term that you've already heard within the podcast something that you might want to have a go at at the linkage southwark 30-year anniversary party or something that you may do most days anyway this is called welly wanging and it's written by matthew Seeger and performed by matthew and myself welly wanging I've never heard of that before. What is welly wanging?
1: Well, it's where you throw a welly, I think, and see how far you can get it.
0: Wellies? They'd be pretty difficult to throw, wouldn't they?
1: Mm, maybe, yeah. I suppose that's the point.
0: Welly wanging. <laughs> welly wanging. I've never heard of it.
1: I have never walked past the park and seen someone lobbing wellies about.
0: No, no, nor me.
1: I don't think they do it anymore, though. I think it's more of an old-fashioned thing.
0: Well, they didn't have welly-wanging where I grew up. <laughs> it's a funny word, isn't it?
1: You grew up in France?
0: Yes, I grew up in France and I went to university in Provence. But I always wanted to travel, to be adventurous and to travel.
1: Provence? oh, I bet that was beautiful.
0: Oh, it was beautiful. You can do a lot worse than go to university in Provence. The food, the wine, the weather. It was lovely to study and work there.
1: What work were you doing?
0: I was doing a spell of teaching.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: But I found it rather boring after a while.
1: Oh. Uh, What what did you find boring about teaching?
0: Well, the thing is, to motivate students to make them learn what you're trying to explain to them is quite difficult. And especially when the children are past 12. Young teenagers, wow. When you get into teenagers, that's difficult. That can be difficult, challenging.
1: Maybe you needed some more adventure, some more travel. Exactly.
0: Exactly and that's why I came to teach in the UK.
1: Oh, what did you teach?
0: In France, I taught English, and in England, I taught French. Which is convenient, isn't it? (laughs) I was sort of switching back and forth from France to England and doing lots of amazing travelling around Europe too. It's beautiful, isn't it? Europe? Yes, Europe. The world. All of it.
1: It is. Most of it.
0: It's good to say that, isn't it? To remember it. Anyway, then when I had children, once they were born, I was firmly stuck here. And France was for holidays.
1: Sounds awful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. No, not at all. But, you know, sometimes I wish I had more adventures when I was younger. We could never have too many adventures.
1: Of course, but, I mean, university in Provence, living and working in the UK and France, as well as travelling around Europe and having a family, children... Sounds like a pretty exciting adventure to me.
0: You're right, yes. Life is one big adventure.
1: And there's still more to come.
0: There's always more to come. You never know what life will throw at you next.
1: Exactly. Could be a welly, for all we know.
0: Could it? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Welly-wanging. What a funny word. That was Welly-wanging, written by Matthew Seeger and performed by Matthew and myself. So, Matthew throwing wellies about Were you throwing wellies about in the workshop
1: no and i've never actually thrown a welly about well Mm -hmm. not not that i remember anyway so this this lady grew up in france and one of the other couple someone brought something in and it was a picture from maybe 30 years ago or something and it was they're explaining about this game welly wanging they were playing and i think as this lady welly wanging welly wanging (laughs) even it it is a funny word isn't it and the french lady that i was sitting next to i think because she speaks perfect English but it's not her first language so I think she was just finding the sound of that in her mouth quite amusing and saying it <laughs> over and over again.
0: Welly wanging. Yeah
1: and I mean it is for for all of us. So from that we sort of got on to talking about her work and, and what I really got from she's this incredibly stylish woman and she was, looks amazing and she's very enthusiastic and passionate so I sort of really wanted to communicate this idea of her zest for life and her excitement that she found in new things and traveling and things like that. I feel like that's what she was really trying to communicate to me So that's kind of what I wanted to communicate in the piece.
0: This week was all about occupations. I I think from what you're saying that welly-wanging wasn't somebody's occupation.
1: Uh, Again, I (laughs) I wouldn't be able to corroborate for sure, but as far as I'm aware, no one's full-time profession has been welly-wanger in the past.
0: (laughs) It would be quite hard to throw a welly, I imagine, because Mm -hmm. they're quite... Bottom heavy, aren't they?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and and also, I don't know if anyone could listen to this and not think I would quite like to give that a go.
0: Yeah, have you given it a go?
1: No, not yet, but uh, I'll wait for the next time it rains and I'm out walking, I'll give it a go.
0: I think because it's Linkage Southwark's 30th year and it's their anniversary this year, they need to surely have, have a, a, well, a, a, a game of welly-wanging a game. Ever. <laughs> at the event and this was your last workshop with us Matthew mm-hmm. how has it been for you this experience
1: you know for so many reasons I've absolutely loved it I think primarily to be able to get that I mean all, everyone's lives are busy and but to be able to get that time one, once a week or whatever to sit down with these people and and really although we've been doing workshops and stuff which have been great it's just to be able to sit down and have a cup of tea and a chat and I feel like a better person for it I, I've loved all of it and also I've loved the writing side of it I've loved how it's quite a a quick changeover because it feels like you've just got to try and trust the feeling that you get from these people and just try and get it down on on paper, on computer. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. I've loved it.
0: It feels very chilled out, doesn't it? These workshops. Very,
1: and that's a testament to the people that yeah. are there and run it. The, the, the atmosphere feels incredibly welcoming and um, such a lovely place to be.
0: Thanks for being a part of the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Before we say goodbye to you, can you please do welly wanging on repeat as a tongue twister? Go
1: welly wanging, welly wanging, welly wanging, welly wanging, welly wanging.
0: Wow, you can tell you've trained.
1: <laughs> thank you. Money was worth it. If you're stuck for what to do today, I've got just the thing for you. It won't take long and you won't regret it. I promise that is true. A walk, a talk, watching some sports or just a cup of tea to hear some stories of a life well lived would suit me wonderfully. Share a laugh, make a friend or offer some advice. A trip to the shops to get more biscuits sounds like it might be nice. All we ask is a bit of time, if it's a possibility. A great way to meet great people who could do with some company. If you'd like to give it a go, and this sounds up your street, send us a quick message and we'll find you someone to meet. It's a no-brainer, a win-win. We've got no other agenda. So search for Linkage Southwark to become a valued befriender.
0: Well, radio shows never play an advert just once, do they? We are now at our last piece. This is based on the fact we asked the group what pearls of wisdom they would give to their younger selves. So this piece is called Pearls of Wisdom and it's put together by all the participants at Linkage Southwark and performed by Robert Hickson.
3: What would you say to your younger self? Is it worth anything? Is it worth anything? Take an adventure, learn how to play, learn the game, follow your dream, let it out, get it out, have a bit of irresponsibility and be a bit wild, be loud anyway, even when everyone tells you not to be. Be limitless, don't let people decide things for you, keep exploring. Live life to the full. You don't know what's round the corner. Have lots of fun and get out and about when you can. Get help if you need it. A bit of a helping hand. Recognize that you might need help. Go with your gut. Don't listen to the evil voices. If it goes wrong, it's on you. Do the things you want to do rather than what people expect you to do. Trust yourself a little bit more. Have confidence to trust yourself more. Challenge yourself. A touch of leopard print is okay. Être un peu plus aventureux, oui?
0: What were you doing in 1993? Not sure? Then why not join us and reminisce over a cup of tea? Come celebrate our 30th birthday. We promise not to lead you astray. If a cake and a dance isn't enough, we'll definitely have some drinks. You're never too old to make new links with Link Age Southwark. Sorry, I couldn't resist. So we've come to the end of today's episode. This was our penultimate episode, so next Tuesday will be our last one of this season. We are happy to announce that we are going to continue it with a new season up in the very east of england or out in the very east of england as we start a residency at the seagull theater in lowestoft as of next month so we'll be bringing you more stories from a new group Next week, we'll have a special episode of interviews and pieces collected over our time with both groups at the Daffodil Cafe run by the Alzheimer's Society in Southwark and Linkage Southwark, who, you know, it's it's their 30th year anniversary, and some insight from our team and some extra special surprises. Do check out Linkage Southwark, get involved, become a befriender, Wish them a happy 30th anniversary and also a happy birthday to me. It's my birthday today, which also means happy spring equinox. Happy spring, everyone. It's onwards and upwards from now. Check out the show notes and how you can support the Dot Collective. Do share and like the podcast. It does really, really help us. And listen in next week for our last episode of the season. This podcast has been supported by the wonderful City Bridge Trust. Thank you. Have a great day.